We'll now have our Bible readings. Romans 5, verse 1 to 11, results of justification. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. A reading from Revelations 21, verses 1 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. We'll now stand together to to sing our, our next hymn. During as we sing this song, you will be given a suite by by some of the scouts. Um, all I would ask is please refrain from eating the sweet till a little later. <laughs> be seated and let us pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we know in this very hour, 100 years ago, history records World War I ceased. 
The armistice had been signed earlier that day in a railway carriage in a secluded forest north of Paris. And from there the message went out that the Great War was finally over. It's still staggering though to think that before the guns fell silent that day, history also records that there were 10,944 casualties and 2,738 deaths on the Western Front that morning. What history also records is that it was King George V, a year later, who issued the proclamation. And that's where the two-minute silence comes from, at the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month. Less well-known, but also recorded in history, and even more significant, were the actions of the king on the 4th of August, 1918. If you know anything about the life of King George V, you'll know he never grew up expecting to be king. He spent four years serving in the Royal Navy until news broke that his elder brother and successor to the throne had died. And the Navy commander became a different type of warrior. You see, on the 4th of August 1918, a hundred days before the armistice, King George V called the UK nation to a national day of prayer. A day of prayer for the war to end and for peace to break out. In many ways, his actions depicted those of one of the great kings of the Old Testament, King Jehoshaphat, who his prayer in a similar time of crisis was this. We do not know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, Lord, but our eyes are on you. What history records is the people responded to King George V and God heard the cries of the people like he had heard the cries of another people many, many centuries before in a similar time of crisis. And 100 days to the very day, World War I ceased. The Navy commander, the King of the Commonwealth, became a warrior for peace. And the nationwide prayer of peace was answered on the 11th of November. It's on the 11th of November in the church calendar that we also remember another soldier who became a warrior of peace. A soldier who is dedicated to not one, not two, but three Church of England churches in this island. In the early church, you only became a saint if you'd shed your blood quite literally, and died for the faith. But all that changed with this man. We know him now as St. Martin, Martin of Tours, who gave up being a soldier in order to create the peace of heaven on earth. The name Martin actually means warrior. And he was trained by his father, who was himself a senior Roman army officer, to be a soldier. That was what his life was going to be until one day, quite literally, a thunderstorm struck and he ran for shelter into a church and he met the risen Jesus. Martin, though, would continue his military training and he was sent by the emperor to serve in France and it was while he was there that he famously met the beggar in Amiens to whom he gave away half of his cloak. And from that moment, his life changed forever. Two years later, 
He did the unthinkable. He went to see the emperor and asked to be released from being a soldier so he could begin a Christian community of peace. What history will also tell us is this. The powers that be decided that the 11th of November would be the armistice because of the life of St. Martin. The soldier who became a warrior of peace. Both Martin of Tours and King George V decided to use their lives to become warriors of peace. To bring, as we've just sung, love into places ravaged with hatred. Forgiveness into places of unrest. Faith to the doubters. Hope amidst situations of despair. Light into darkness and joy where sadness ever dwelt. Of course, they weren't bringing their peace. They were channels of a much greater peace. They were, as our first reading put it, agents of peace and reconciliation. Of bringing the precious gift of peace with God and the peace that he then brings to our lives. What the biblical writers remind us about repeatedly is how in the New Testament you can only be a warrior of God's peace if you first experienced his peace yourself. It's a gift, as our first reading reminds us, that was brought and bought, not by a peace warrior, but by the peace warrior, Jesus Christ. A God of peace, if you like, turned human truce, who became a walking, talking armistice, who by his sacrificial love of dying for us, purchased that most precious gift, a gift that we can only receive through faith in him. One man who received that gift of Jesus Christ was living in Sheffield at the end of the First World War. He was called George Bassett, and he decided to commemorate the ending of World War I by making a sweet. So popular was that sweet, you now know it's still made today. We know it today as the jelly baby. But back then they were called something else. They were called peace babies. What you may not know about jelly babies, you might have eaten hundreds of them before, is how there's symbols on each jelly baby. Each of which tells us the story of how the peace warrior, Jesus Christ, brought peace with God. So if you've got that that jelly baby in your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something, to go ahead and perhaps do something that you perhaps wouldn't normally do in public. You might do it in private. And it's to actually, if you like, lick the flower off the front of the jelly baby. Don't worry, only I can see you all doing it. So... Yeah? Yeah? There you go. You see, if you, if you look at your jelly baby, if you've got the black jelly baby, what you'll be able to see is a symbol. The symbol is of a heart. It actually represents the darkness of the human heart. Which is why Jesus Christ, the peace warrior, came. And on our behalf fought the war against the enemy of evil and sin. 
that hits your life and my life daily. If you have a green jelly baby, you'll see that the jelly baby is crying. It actually reflects tears of sadness. The tears of sadness that God feels over every human life that does not know peace with him. Then if you have the the red jelly baby, you will see a letter on it. The letter is the letter B. It symbolises the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why it was put on the red one. Because that was how, by the shedding of his blood, that he did defeat the enemy of sin and death. As our first reading put it, while we were still helpless, while we were still in our sin, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice and rescued us from the mud and the mire of of our sin, just like he rescued those soldiers at the end of the war from the mud and the mire of the Western Front. And then if you have a pink jelly baby, kind of a fleshly coloured one, you'll notice something about that jelly baby. You'll notice it's smaller than all the rest. Because... It's actually something that reflects what happens, if you like, when you receive the gift of the peace warrior. You become a child of his. You become one of his children. As Jesus so famously said to the synagogue leader Nicodemus, you must be born again. In other words, you start your life all over again. And you start to live a different way. Which is where the yellow baby jelly baby comes in because you've got something precious on the yellow jelly baby. You've actually got a necklace round the neck. It's meant to show how not only precious are you to God but also you're precious because you possess that gift that God wants to give to each one of us the peace of knowing him. And that leaves us with the final one the orange jelly baby. Which actually, if you look at the orange jelly baby, it's perhaps the hardest symbol to see. But it's actually got a bag round its waist. The idea behind the bag is that then what we do is that we go as his followers and share that message of peace and be agents of peace and reconciliation wherever we go in this world. Earlier this year in June... I had a spare morning in central London and so I spent it in Westminster Abbey. When you enter the great west door of Westminster Abbey, you very quickly encounter a grave. And I spent a good hour, hour and a half looking round a number of graves in that abbey. You see several tombs of kings and queens from centuries past. You see countless graves and floor monuments, if you like, commemorating men and women who've enriched the UK nation, from politicians to scientists, from musicians to writers. You see hundreds of wall plaques dedicated to the great and the good. And then there's a grave with no name. That's perhaps the most famous grave there. The grave of the unknown warrior. Beneath the stone is a random soldier who was buried on the western front and then they quite literally dug up his body and reburied him among the kings on Armistice Day in 1920. That as a token 
of what had happened and the many who'd sacrificed their lives, they would now be buried among the kings. Around that tomb, normally you see laid puppies that kind of hide what's beneath the puppies. What's beneath the puppies are four Bible verses. They're these. The Lord knows them that are his. Unknown and yet well known, dying and behold we live. In Christ shall all be made alive. And greater love hath no man than this. They were chosen deliberately. Because for most of those who fought 100 years ago, they believed these four things. They believed God exists. They believed that we are known individually by him. They believed that Jesus Christ gave his life to make it possible to know God and his peace. And they believe because of Jesus we can have life after death. The life that's described in our second Bible reading of this beautiful scene of perfection at the end of time. Where quite literally there is no more mourning, no more pain, no more misery. Because the war of sin and death will finally be over. A picture that describes the perfect peace of God dwelling with his people in the garden city, joined together in the new heaven and earth. And the great opportunity that peace with God brings is not only knowing that you'll be there, it's to start living that life now. To accept the call-up on your life from Jesus Christ, the peace warrior, who now is in no need of reburial because he conquered death by rising from being buried in an unknown grave in Jerusalem. Let us pray. We spent some time already this morning in silence as we remembered those who gave up so much for us 100 years ago. So now let's spend a few more moments in silence. Thinking, do I know that peace with God? Do I know Jesus Christ, the peace warrior? That have I not only received the call up, but have I accepted the call up to be his agent of peace and reconciliation? So gracious God, whose love is overwhelming, whose mercy is vast, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the peace warrior, for his actions that brought us the joy of and hope of knowing peace with you. 
and the security that it brings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.